This is Toronto Today with Greg Brady. Toronto's news, today's talk. 640 Toronto. This was a weird week in Toronto. There's no doubt about it. And yesterday, uh, after we left the air, there was a stabbing death right in front of a police station. 10.20 a.m. There have been... It's amazing how we're describing daytime murders as brazen. People, I think generally people who are being brazen are concerned about like like i get it it's it's um it's different it's like there's no shame and it's bold but i don't think that's goes into the thought process of killing somebody in broad daylight and we've had two of those this week we've had five murders in eight days and we only need track back about three weeks and all the debate in leslieville when a 44 year old uh, mother and wife is gunned down by a stray bullet near a um, a safe injection site. So in Leslieville, there was a considerable debate about this on Wednesday night. And we and a police dog. I'm not going to forget about bingo. I won't do that to you. Um, but bingo passing away Tuesday night, attempting to arrest a murder suspect. And I got my answers, by the way. Yesterday, I said it was just one guy. And bingo showing up. No, they they brought a whole tactical unit like Toronto police really well organized on this front. But you don't plan for the dog to be shot. It's never happened before. And police dogs have been used in by RCMP officers and OPP officers and um, municipality police officers for the better part of 55 years now. Like they've been they've been a constant. So I know they rolled out a huge ceremony yesterday I know there were some people I'm okay with you thinking this, but it doesn't mean everybody has to. Can we can we have that? Can we have those philosophies? This is you thinking this. I happen to think this. I didn't think it was excessive yesterday, but I know there were some people that did. I know some people that were saying a dog's not a person. And I know there were some people documenting that um, that where's the city getting money for a ceremony for bingo. I get that that's out there and you can think that we all would choose to spend money totally different ways. If a hundred people went to a city budget committee meeting, we'd have a hundred different priorities, potentially, potentially in different rankings of the things we, we thought were important to do. But I will tell you this. Um, there is this tenseness in the air between um, Olivia Chow and the police. And she needs to get in front of a camera today or a microphone or call her show okay, or do something um, to say some things because there was tension between. I don't know that the mayor has to get along with the police all the time, but she's been silent. And many people are thinking the silence speaks volumes, but um, she's been called out for this by the you know uh, Toronto police operations like this isn't nothing this isn't a retired officer and I wouldn't make the case that that philosophy is any less significant or, or that feeling of emotions any less significant but Olivia Chow's been absent this week in terms of addressing these tragedies the Toronto Police Associations wrote this yesterday in the last five days we've had a police officer struck and injured by a stolen car Right. That was on the bicycle. And we mentioned that and we shouldn't not mention that um, officer shot at and a police dog killed in the line of duty. Will Mayor Chow offer any words of condolence or support for our members? They just want to know that you've got their back. They just want to know that. So do you. 
And I know when people get backed into the corner, right? Sometimes the claws come out and they're defensive and they don't, they don't, you know, they don't own, own what they have done, not done, or what they need to do. And those are three very different things. What have you done? What have you not done? What have you need to do? But there's certainly a call out here. Brian Kalanin's the vice president of the Toronto Police Association, and he wrote her directly on Twitter. It made a, it, Twitter's stupid sometimes. I got it. X or whatever it is. Do you have the backs of the officers who protect your city? And today you're going to have to you're going to have to say that you need to do this. My understanding, and it's well sourced out, is this was asked for a huge priority right out of the gate that the police wanted to meet with Olivia Chow to clear the air, to set um, goals, to set standards, to talk protocols. And she hasn't given them the time of day yet. If I'm wrong, I'll own that I'm wrong. But that's very well sourced. And I'm telling you, there's people from Olivia Chow. I'm no mouthpiece for the police. I'm no mouthpiece for anybody. But there are people working with Olivia who are big Olivia Chow fans. And they're saying, get it. This is important. They're telling her, get this together and do this. And it hasn't happened as of yet. It needs to. I don't know if it will happen today. Um, but Olivia Chow should find a camera, find a microphone, and not even do a Q&A. Just say you've got the cops back. Okay? I don't, want, I don't think it's a good idea to go into the weekend or much, much longer and not do that. And, and again, talk about some of the things that, that are uh, priorities. Talk about some of the distinction that you, know, that, that you want between the distinct relationship that a mayor has to have. A mayor doesn't have to be a mouthpiece for the, uh, the police. But you don't have to be you, this isn't going to work if you're at odds with the police for three years. And what are we in three weeks into her being mayor? Um, I know she can't stop this crime. The police just need to know their support. Sometimes that's necessary. This is no normal workplace working the streets of Toronto. It isn't. But you need it in, in normal workplaces as well. Have you got me? I've got you. Have you got me? We're not always going to agree. There's sometimes going to be a debate. But I need to know that ultimately you're working with me and not against me. That's all. That's it. This is Toronto Today with Greg Brady. Toronto's news. Today's talk. 640 Toronto. She was had two of her uh, four children at, at uh, overnight sleep awake. Do you get to hear from them? Uh, so here's the thing. It's my first time sending them away because of the pandemic we yeah. never did before. So I'm thinking, okay, are all the other parents, are they messaging them? Are they calling them? And they don't have cell phones, my kids. So I don't, and they've actually, the camp has said no tech anyway. So I don't know what the other kids are doing. So we called that. We asked them to call us. We can't call them. We asked them to call us. Do they have to go we, into an office or something? Yes. To, right. That's what I, they that's, do. It's right out of 1987. And honestly, it felt <laughs> like great. they but, but it felt like I'm sure there was somebody there, like an admin person, a staff in front of them. It felt like they were reading from a script. We are good. We are having lots of fun. We ate lasagna for dinner. Mom, it is so much fun. I'm thinking, is there like a, a hostage video? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, I got yes. you. I got gotcha. you. Um, but can I confess something? And I feel very guilty about this. So Greg and Gore, don't tell anybody is. It's a judgment-free zone. I, always yeah. is. I don't miss them. Right. I'm supposed to, aren't I? But that, I was very I bet sad. they're making friends and like oh, I, I made lifelong friends. Like they may come back with a bunch of like with phone numbers and emails of people they want to stay in touch with and visit with. It's uh, like it's I think it's amazing. I think it's I so great so. they're doing that. And you know, it's a sports camp. So they sounded exhausted. I think uh, they're working them hard. 
Uh, and the day before they were leaving, I was really sad. I'm like, how am I going to get through this week without my babies, even though they're almost the yeah. two teenagers? I don't miss them. It's been so nice and quiet around here with only two kids. Out of the other two, because I've only got two. So when one's away, the other one's like, where is he? Uh, even though they, they, you know, scrap and complain, they don't really physically fight, but they chide each other and whatnot. But when he's gone, when he's out with his friends, the younger one's always like, where's Noel? When's he getting back? What's going on? How long is he know, gone for? Is he overnight? He's always asking. If I left, if there was only one of them, I think I'd have that issue. The two of these, these ones at home, they've been like glue. They're in the same camp together this week. Yeah. They're having sleepovers in each other's rooms every night. They sleep together every night. They're having a blast. Honestly, I feel like we don't have kids. It's been great for us this week. I think that's great without the, you can't have cell phones at camp. You can't do it. I, I don't even think you could give them like 20 minutes at night to message their friends or I, I don't know how overnight camps are with like 16, 17 year olds or whether they do that. Or not, but my, I went to camp for three years, and if you wanted to talk to somebody, uh, there's there's one phone booth. Man, there might have been two phone booths next to each other, and there's a pay phone, and you could call collect, or you could, because I didn't have a credit card or anything, or you've got to reverse the charges. I forget how that worked. So whether it was one year, I think out of the three, I had a. I had a girlfriend I was calling all the time, and the other times I'm calling my parents, and that's it. But there's moths. It's at night, and there's like 28 moths. <laughs> it looks like a horror movie. It looks like Amityville Horror, and you're like, ah, there's a moth in my ear. Yes. So um, that's cool that they go into the office, and they're able to make those. And you get them back tomorrow or first thing later today? Uh, tomorrow. It's tomorrow. And oh. say, I mean, shout out my, 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 my happy birthday, Sean. My second one turns 13 today. He's a teenager. Sweet. I don't see him on his birthday, but we have a little surprise for him tomorrow. So I missed three straight birthdays away, 15, 16, and 17. Nobody gave it a second thought. <laughs> nobody, nobody gave it a uh, a second thought. So I think our in out the other day or a few months ago was how many people believe there's there's life. What's the best best way to phrase it, Gord? There's is basically a belief in extraterrestrials. Is there intelligent life beyond yeah. Earth? Yeah. Are we alone in the universe? Yeah, and that's a very existential question because what does we mean and yeah. what does our mean and what's the define alone mean? anyway. Yeah. Um, but most Americans, and I bet you, see, again, sometimes we pit Americans against Canadians. I bet you this wouldn't be that dissimilar. Most Americans um, believe in intelligent life beyond Earth. Um, some people, 65% of U.S. adults, and this is a 22 study, say uh, intelligent life exists on other planets. 65% say does. 34% say does not. 1% refused. Because then the aliens will know yeah. and they'll come in. Eat your brains if that's the case. Uh, Kelly Cutrera had Victor Vigiani, news director for Z, Land News Network, you know. And uh, Victor told her this about uh, these UFO hearings they've been having with former special intelligence officers. It's a really big day because we learned a whole lot from not only three experts uh, in the field of intelligence and, and aviation, but we also learned that the 75-year-old, uh, what they call the U.S., UFO cover-up has ended. That's the first thing that we we must take from that. And the reason I say that it has ended is that millions and millions of Americans heard on uh, on, on TV, on radio, and on YouTube that uh, the United States government has now admitted to, and in many different ways, the fact that they have in their possession downed craft not of un, not of earth origin and they also have in their possession alien bodies 
Okay, again, this is congressional testimony, you two. And I, and yes, so, if, so if you two had told me this again, and I, I, I've seen enough movies, even seeing like E.T. at age eight at the drive-in wasn't like, yeah, that makes sense. He hooked up a speaking spell and contacted his pals <laughs> and they brought the ship back around and got him and yep. he likes it. He likes Reese's piece. I, I mean, I just didn't buy it, but there you have it. I mean, there's more people believe it than not. So. I know. We told you but, so. W- but what would what would prove it to us? And how how can the oh. government cover all this stuff up? I know, Shiba, you said before, I don't trust my government, but I didn't think they were, you know, uh, hiding alleged alien abduction survivors no, with absolutely. PTSD. I don't know. In this day and age. That's H- not the only thing they're hiding. <laughs> In this day and age, they could parade it out there and say that, yes, this is, and most people wouldn't believe them. Exactly. There'd be this whole side that, oh, that's a conspiracy and... They're just yes. doing that to deflect, and nobody would hardly believe them anymore. Are these the things you bring up on, like, on like a first date with somebody? And do no. people, like, alien believe? Why is, not? That, is that on a Tinder well, profile? I would, I would totally talk about aliens on a first date. But I would also go to a mayoral candidate debate on a first date. That would be a dream date for <laughs> a me. A Halton school board meeting on a first, <laughs> on a first I would date. love it. And we go for a nice, some pasta after and discuss it. Like, I don't, like, conspiracy theories have just changed now. The internet's changed them. The last four years have changed them, all that stuff. I mean, the most famous one was probably the JFK assassination, and then there were others as well. Um, but I just, I, I like, again, if somebody was like, well, I don't Why think. Why are you so skeptical? I don't Why is know. Why it so hard because to believe I, that we're not the only people that exist in the entire universe, the only living beings? I, I, it's just a huge, huge planet, and there'd be evidence that they were in, watching us or interested in us or i know it's like well, it just still sounds the same but like, we, look, we've look never our, found them but we're looking for them i know that we are we're, we're, we're looking we're always looking for life on other planets we're always exploring the universe so of course that's i'm sure they've found them but we wouldn't we won't know for a long time and think about this we went from just well, learning to, to fly to landing on the moon in like 50 years yes yeah, Without I know. Some help, and so and so. Here's where I I don't um I don't have doubts is that um you said that that's about a five decade run here, um in the difference in in between flying the Wright brothers etc cetera, etc cetera, to the late sixties. I don't have a doubt that our our grandkids 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 might be able to to go and live on another planet someday. That's the weird one. Yeah. That's the weird one is that I think that 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 could be the case in two hundred years. Yeah, that'll happen but, before Toronto. But other life forms don't exist. Right, that'll happen before the Scarborough <laughs> RT gets up and running again. Oh, is that God. you're more likely to, to get transit for, to take to go to work on another planet than in Scarborough? And Austin Matthews hosts, hosts the uh, Stanley Cup over his head. Correct. <laughs> He'll be living could, on Mars by yeah, then. Yeah, and the Stanley Cup parade won't go down the Scarborough RT route. Nope. With cars decoupling all the time. This is Toronto Today with Greg Brady. Toronto's news. Today's talk. Six forty, Toronto. Karen McCrinnan. McCrimmon, new MPP in Canada, Carleton. Andrea Hazel, who visited us in studio. Beat City Councilor Gary Crawford in Winston Scarborough Guildwood. I can't emphasize enough how badly Doug Ford wanted that riding. He wanted that seat. The Liberals have now won it seven straight times. I know they have nine seats now. The Conservatives have 81, but it's a step. It's a step in the right direction. By the way, important to note, um, leadership candidate Nate Erskine-Smith, younger than all the Backstreet Boys. I mean, that's obvious. They were, they were about 25 years ago. He's 39, obviously. Um, so is Sabrina Nanji, QP Observer, joins us right now. 
What do you think? Uh, it's a great night for the Liberal Party. It may not mean much in the long run, but th- to me, those aren't writings they win a year and a half ago. They didn't win them in the last election a year ago. So there's some form of momentum happening. Yeah, I mean, if you're a liberal, you're waking up very happy this morning. Um, last night's back-to-back by-election saw them take two seats. They held on to Scarborough Guildwood, um, despite, as you mentioned, you know, this full-cylinder approach from the PCs. You know, they had ministers out door-knocking every day almost. Uh, even the premier himself was out canvassing. John Tory was making robocalls. And we know Gary Crawford is a big name in the riding. He's been a counselor uh, for over a decade. He's been Toronto budget chief, but they couldn't pull it off. Uh, it, it was still went to Andrea Hazel, who was actually handpicked by her predecessor, Mitzi Hunter, to, to take the seat. And that's exactly what she did. Um, I think, you know, the bigger upset for the Conservatives was over in Canada Carleton, which, um, you know, since it, it it's, it's more of a modern riding, the new boundaries, but uh, it's never been uh, anything but conservative. And so for Karen McCrimmon, who is, of course, the former MP for the riding, she's a high profile name. She's well known there. Um, she's very popular still, um, despite stepping back in, in 2015. I mean, for her to take that was was really significant. Um, the liberals I'm talking with are feeling this renewed energy. Mm-hmm. And you're right, it doesn't really mean much for them in the House. This just brings the grits to nine seats, which is still three shy from recognized party status. They still don't even have a leader yet. We'll find out who that's going to be in December. Yeah. But they are feeling good about themselves this morning. Uh, let's go. I want to come back to Scarborough Guildwood in a sec, but let's go to that riding in Canada Carleton. That's Marilee Fullerton's riding. She won in 2018. It, but if there was any, I know she was a lightning rod minister of long-term care. Sabrina, you and I had several discussions about that. They moved her, reassigned her in June 21, so about a year after the pandemic, to the Minister of Children, Community, and Social Services, which also is a file that that Lisa McLeod had it, right? It's been much criticized since 2018. But I don't get it. Like, she she departed. If that was a, a stalwart conservative riding and people were upset with Fullerton, she would have lost in 2022, but she won easily. So it's a real switch in one year to go around and, and to lose that seat. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And you have to wonder what um, you know voters were thinking and feeling because obviously uh, someone like Sean Webster who ran this time around for the Conservatives was someone who was talked about as potentially getting a seat in cabinet. And that is a voice at the table of the people who are making the most important decisions. So I think you know the takeaway from this and just from speaking to voters in, in the, the riding, uh, they're really unhappy with the Ford government. And mm-hmm. clearly they feel that having a voice at the cabinet table really didn't do much from that for them. Um, I know that uh, there's some, uh, you know, hard feelings over the, the so-called freedom convoy and the Ford government's inaction on that. A lot of people are still reeling and feeling like they didn't do enough. Um, and now there's also buzz from the conservative, uh, the conservatives in the federal arena who are saying that, you know, they were a bit salty that yeah. the Ford government did not did not make much of an effort uh, to help them win that that Oxford by election, which was you know a tough slog for them. And so they could have deployed you know resources like door knockers uh, to to help them win that. They didn't they didn't do that. So a lot of people are really unhappy. I think uh, is the takeaway with with the conservatives over there. But like I said, you know McCrimmon was a, a big name, um, and you know Mar- Marilee Fullerton. Uh, love her or hate her she stepped aside for family health reasons um but but she too had her fair share of uh controversies right i think she she didn't exactly have the best bedside manner when dealing with a lot of sensitive issues of course you know kids on the on the 
uh, an autism file and, yeah. and, and so on. So certainly, you know, I think a lot of hard feelings definitely in the Capitol. Sabrina Nanji, our guest from QP Observer. I'm, I'm glad you brought that up about this um, this tension um, between potentially the federal CPC and the Ontario PCs. You, you have seen this and you've written about this as well. This kind of this it's an alliance not quite an alliance but it's close between justin trudeau and doug Ford. they say a lot nicer things about each other and maybe they look at each other and say if people are if, if you're a federal liberal if you're happy with doug ford then you're happy with me and and vice versa somehow some way um they've they're playing nice together you don't see justin trudeau on the ground campaigning for Stephen del duca you didn't see him out first for kathleen win five years ago i think it's going to be fascinating to see if the federal liberals get involved like jugmeet singh often does in provincial politics but this story is i think it's got some legs to it and it was just the start of it last night that there might be some federal cpc ontario pc party tension yeah, I mean, of course, there's there's um, this on again, off again bromance that we see with Justin Trudeau and Doug Ford, right? <laughs> like, politically speaking, they can kind of play off of each other. They make good foils. But right now, we've seen them side by side, uh, making it rain funding announcements, especially for electric vehicles. And we know that, uh, you know, while they do have their tension points, I'm thinking most recently of the the funding that Toronto needs. There's a lot of finger pointing happening between the feds and the province there. Um, but certainly, you know, Doug Ford realizes that he needs a lot of cash to do these big promises that he's made, uh, and, and that could come from the federal government. And there tends to be this um, interesting dynamic in Ontario where we'll vote one way provincially and yeah. for the um, other party federally. And so when there tends to be conservatives at one level, there's liberals in the other level, that's just kind of how it goes historically. But uh, in terms of, of, you know, the federal CPC and the, the Tories at Queen's Park, I mean, there's no love lost there. I think, you know, um, the, the federal conservatives could, could learn a bit from Doug Ford's playbook. I mean, regardless of what happened last night, the polls are still putting him um, in the lead if there was a general election. And, uh, you know, while the CPC is closing in on, on Trudeau and his liberals, I think that uh, certainly, you know, going more towards the center, more progressive as, as Doug Ford, you know, as much as he can as a conservative mm-hmm. has emphasized. I think the the federal Tories could, could learn from that because, as we know, Ontario can make or break you. I got under a minute here. So just a few sentences. The one thing I hear from liberal is are they don't mind if there's a bit of a battle here uh, with, with Erskine Smith and Bonnie Crombie. Let's assume they're the front runners. Let's assume they are. But what I hear from liberals is they want both in the party. They don't want Bonnie to finish second and go back to Mississauga. They want to see if she'd stick it out, be an MPP and and join the fight. I think they think that from Nate as well is in that he's 39. He's got a huge runway ahead of him in politics. And if Bonnie happens to win, they want Nate to stay. Give me now I got 40 seconds. What's your confidence level that both would remain and, and fight together? I mean, I think we, I think it's a possibility, you know, Nate Erskine Smith is a backbencher federally. He hasn't really told the party line. He's made a name for himself, uh, you know, at the provincial level. Um, and so if he did want to run, it would be interesting because we already do have a liberal representative for his riding beaches East York. Um, but those two have definitely presented themselves as the front runners. They have gone head to head in terms of policy, in terms of the mudslinging. And so, you know, I think it might be a little too soon to say whether they'll, mm. they'll be on the, on the same side, of course, they're all liberals, but right now they're going at it um, and it's it's grabbing headlines and, and people are paying attention. You bet they are. Hey, Sabrina, thanks for this. Great read on QP Observer this morning. I urge people to subscribe uh, to your Substack. Thanks very much and have a great weekend. 
Thanks for having me. You bet. Sabrina Nanji joining us. This is Toronto Today with Greg Brady. Toronto's news. Today's talk. 640 Toronto. There's a mom in the GTA in Newmarket who has a three-year-old son. He needs a heart surgery. He said two already, as a matter of fact. He had them in December 2019 and one of Several months later, a couple months into the pandemic, so thank goodness he was able to get it in May of 2020. There's supposed to be a third and final surgery uh, for a very unique condition for three-year-old Roman Soy. This uh, surgery has been canceled four times by uh, Sick Kids Hospital and was canceled at the last minute Wednesday morning after the the, uh, the person we're going to speak to got the all-go signal on Monday. You do get that sometimes. My kid, I mentioned it earlier in the show, had a knee surgery, and they say, we're still good. And you breathe that sigh of relief two, three days in advance of that particular surgery. And this is the second time the procedure was canceled on the day of the surgery by the hospital for sick children. Marina Pergat is that mother, and she joined us right now on Toronto Today. Thank you for joining us. Thanks for your trust and and thanks for your strength in telling your story. Your story matters to everybody in this province, Marina. So I thank you for the time. Oh, thank you so much for having me and uh, sharing my story. That means the world to me. Well, tell us a little bit about the week that's been. We're at Friday morning now. I think you have better news than you had Wednesday morning. But I'm sure that that Wednesday and yesterday was was quite frustrating. And yet, as I said, telling your story, I, I hope, has made a difference here. Uh, for sure. And it's sad. It um, took me going to the media to get some response from sick kids and getting that surgery. So on Monday, uh, I got a call from sick kids confirming my surgery on Wednesday, which was the best news ever. It's a big preparation process for my family, for my son. So we went ahead, we canceled our plans for the rest of the two weeks because we knew mm-hmm. it's going to take so much time to recover and whatnot. And then when I have my bags ready, everything, at 8 o'clock in the morning on a Wednesday, I got a phone call from sick kids saying this is not going to go ahead today and that they did not have a specific day for when it's actually going to happen. Basically saying, oh, we'll call you next week, maybe the week after. And that's it. And they said, we're really sorry, but that's what's going on. We don't have a nurse for you guys to take care after the surgery. And this is the fourth time it happened since May of this year. And at that point, I completely lost all my hope and I decided to get help from media. It just, I I can't imagine your emotion knowing um, we're all frustrated at times with our healthcare system. There are good things about it and there's certainly good people working in it. I don't want to castigate the people, but Mm -hmm. there's something wrong with a system that does this to you, Marina. That's me saying that, but I'm sure you felt that in your heart of hearts as well. What could be more important than this? Not just to you, but but in the grand scheme of things. This is a three-year-old's life and his very life hangs in the balance getting this heart surgery. Correct. It's just so sad that there's so many kids and there's so many issues. There's so many kids waiting for their surgeries at sick kids. Over 6,500 kids are right now waiting at sick kids. That just breaks my heart because some of these kids really need the surgeries to save their lives. Just like with my, my child, Roman, we've been through so much. Like uh, he was born with this condition. He had his first surgery on the day five of his life, open heart, eight hour we spent a whole month in the hospital, then another one at six months. And now, like, when we were, like, finally getting the last step done, and it's been canceled and canceled, and at that point, he was not feeling well. He started to feel worse and worse day by day, so I got scared for his life, and I started this fight. 
I, I take it taking care of him has been a full-time job for you. Yes, correct. I had to quit my job. I couldn't get back to work after the mat leave because with his condition, he is not able to be around many kids because in case he gets some sort of infection or even a runny nose, he will be rejected from the surgery. We've been through so many other procedures apart from the surgery. We go to mm -hmm. the kids regularly for other procedures. So it's just really hard. And his um, development is okay. But his physical health, like I said, he gets tired really easily. And I have to take care of him 24-7. And I stay home for that. So it finally, once we get through the surgery, we will be able to get our life back on track. I already signed him up for daycare starting this fall. Oh, that's huge. That's huge. Because <laughs> yeah. you want, Marina Pergat's joining us on Toronto Today. You want your son to have the most normal life possible. Any parent would. And to get to play with other kids, to get to go to junior kindergarten, kindergarten. Like, like you've been through so much, you're almost there. I am. I'm so grateful to everybody who... Um, like for their responses, for the love and care. Uh, I got so much response from the community. People were managed to find me through like Instagram, Facebook. It just means so much, so much support that we got. And we finally got response from sick kids. <laughs> and that's the best news ever. But I think you've you've seen the bigger picture here. So you've been in and out of, of a healthcare system that at times, you know, frustrates the rest of us. Some mornings I'm yell and scream and pound my fists on the radio about it because it, it it frustrates me and I don't go through 1% of, of what you've been through. Imagine if you just said, well, the system is the system. I just have to give up. I'm telling you, you speaking up this week, not only probably got your son that extra date, but it's exposed this system and, and it says it says to a lot of people, we need to make some changes and it may not just be putting more money in it, Marina. That may not, that may not be doing it because we put money into healthcare and we still have outcomes like yours and it's not fair to you and your family. Exactly. But I'm so grateful that my story through my story, we were able to bring the attention of the government of the whole health healthcare system. And hopefully we're going to see some changes really, really soon because this is now um, maybe people didn't know. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> now everybody knows, and steps need to be taken. Something needs to be done. Why will this surgery be the most important one for your son? He's had two already. What does this sort of what barriers does this next surgery get him over and and get your family, not just him, but your entire family, living a more normal life? What is it about this surgery? Yeah. So basically, with his condition, it is a three-step surgery. So he had to have the three stages done. So they all connected. So his left heart is um, not working properly. So the, left, the mm -hmm. right heart is working the work of the two. And with each surgery, they are relieving that pressure on his heart. So basically, lately, like he's been having a lot of pain in his feet, in his arms. And this surgery will help him relieve that pressure. And also, like, since his body is growing, um, they're going to do some changes to his heart again to, like, help him have a normal, as much as we can, a normal life in the future. With this condition, like, we don't know what's gonna, what the future is going to be like, but hopefully this is the last 
surgery uh, we're going to have. Well, you're set for we're like we're days away, right? Next Tuesday is the big day, uh-huh. and and that's again. The, I I have a strong feeling they're not going to call you and cancel, and you're going to have you're going to have this important day on Tuesday. I, yeah. I I know that's going to happen, and I want you to know. Um, we thank you for, for again, putting your trust in us. We're, we're your advocates here at 640 Toronto. And after this goes great on Tuesday, we'd love to have you back on later in August and, and, and see how, how Roman's doing. It, it would mean the world to us to talk again. Thanks so much for this today. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. And we'll talk soon with the great news, I hope. You bet. There's Marina Pergat joining us. Uh, her son's surgery rescheduled by uh, the hospital for sick kids. Four different times. Um, again, it's uh, I'm going to try and hold it together. I'd like to go into the weekend with a smile on my face instead of, again, banging my fists around and throwing barrels like uh, the Donkey Kong gorilla. But um, please, sick kids, sick kids could snap their finger and raise enough money to put it, it in, in five minutes to put another nurse on and put another bed in there. They're just not. Is this what is going on here? And we could argue about the cost of Canadian healthcare and our system and whatnot. I'll say it again, and I will keep on saying it. Nobody else wants more Canadian healthcare in their country. Nobody else. We are unique, and it's not a good thing. We're unique. We stand alone. We used to brag about this free healthcare. It is not free healthcare. It's distinctive. I'll give you that. It's idiosyncratic. It's, it, it is that. But nobody in Europe goes, you know what? <laughs> Our system, we, Germany, Italy, Sweden, Holland, France, Japan, we got to be more like Canada. Nobody's saying that. We in Canada should be saying we need to be more like France and Germany and Italy. Come over to the house. I'll show you the distinction. I'll show you the differences and your life will be turned around. Okay. I'm not a used car salesman here. I wouldn't know how to sell a car to save my life. But I can sell you on a better healthcare system than what we've got when you listen to that poor mom. Thank goodness. Thank goodness she spoke up or she'd suffer in silence and she might have lost her son in the process. No joke. This is Toronto Today with Greg Brady. Toronto's news. Today's talk. 640 Toronto. Are you in or out? Just when I thought I was out, they pulled me back in. So are we in or out? You're out. You are over and out. No, 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 no. You insulted him a little bit. I'm okay with it, but now you're making me feel weird. About it. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. <laughs> Last dinner. Inter- by the way, uh, Sheep is leaving us for, uh, uh, you know, a-, a vacation for a little bit. Uh, at 7.20 a.m., wherever it is you're waking up, will you will you, will you play in or out with your family? Will you yeah, wake sure. them up and... I will set my alarm. Instead yeah. of sleeping in uh, until 8.30. Uh, I saw this stat. <laughs> Nearly one quarter of individuals in the United States, I bet you it's Canada too, skip breakfast daily. Nearly one quarter, 24% skip breakfast. And we saw a doctor. I really like this doctor. Sunil Dond is a uh, physician and an internist. And he wrote my fa- in a tweet, my favorite early morning breakfast food, none. Quote, breakfast is the most important meal of the day, end quote. End quote, eat a sugary cereal first thing or shady pieces of advice brought to you by processed food corporations. I eat breakfast around noon. Didn't always, but my body's now fully adapted to it. There's some amazing metabolic and immune health benefits to fasting as long as possible in the morning, and I feel much better too. So my mom always told me that. Eat your breakfast. Breakfast, get up in the morning in the summer. Breakfast, most important meal of the day. My grandma said it too. This doctor says they're wrong. Are we in or out on eating breakfast, Sheba? I 
am in. Yeah. Only listen, I've gone the last I'd say five years intermittent fasting. So I only eat between noon and eight PM. I don't have breakfast. that's my first meal of the day was noon. Uh, and then I'd say in the last, I went on a cruise, I told you in May, Disney Cruise <laughs> gained 10 pounds on this oh, cruise because there's nothing to do but eat on a ship. And <sighs> I kept intermittent fasting. I'm trying to get this weight off. And I started eating breakfast. This After five years, I've started eating breakfast again. It The weight's coming off. And I think it's linked to the fact that I mean, and I'm not eating a sugary cereal. So I'm in on eating breakfast. I'm eating like Gord's going to vomit right now. Oh. I'm eating like chia seed pudding every, it's the same breakfast. You chia showed us video. Pudding. You showed us video of your chia yes! seed pudding last week. I we did saw it. In a meeting. In yes. 3D. Yeah. With berries. That's my breakfast every morning. I feel amazing throughout the day and I'm not, I'm, I'm not hungry. Well, but you know what? Intermittent fasting does have health benefits. It decreases your weight, it you know, and your inflammation. But I don't know for some reason. I just tried it, and the weight's coming off. Gordon, in or out on breakfast? See, you and I see each other every day, and I don't see you eating. You don't no. see me. Eat. We don't eat. I just because of the hours. It's it's all I can do just to walk in a straight line when I get up. It's so early in the morning, <laughs> and it's just like to make something. It's like I, I have a you know a bowl of cereal, and it's not sugary cereal either because. I'm diabetic. What's that, like a bran flakes or something? Bran flakes or, you know, um, uh, corn flakes. Yeah. You know, ho-hum. Sometimes if we have uh, field strawberries from our backyard, I'll Don't get that all bran. If you, you have a, you have a huge bowl of all bran. I won't see you for, no, like, be, I know the bathroom's <laughs> close. It's close. Like, we're, we're playing some replays. Yeah. I'll be back in about <laughs> so seven minutes. Some, I don't want you yeah. having no. some long-term no. colon damage. So well, just the hours, um, is a, but I, we usually have, like, a bigger lunch. We have a bigger lunch and then a smaller dinner. So what dinner. time is your first meal? First meal would be when I get home like around 11. 11. I, yeah. I'm eating at 11 also, but yeah. I'm eating way too much. I'm making like five scrambled eggs, two pieces of toast with peanut butter what? on it. Yeah, you she have five out of scrambled eggs a oh, day? I, absolutely, oh. I do. I'm judging you. Yeah. What cholesterol, is your cholesterol No, no, no. That's so much of cholesterol is hereditary. It's genetic. You could probably hear the blood going through your veins. <laughs> I did not. I learned something new about you. Have five. You go to Wendy's at night after the gym, and you I, have five eggs a day. Gosh, you know who inspired me? And I remember seeing that he fasted twelve hours of the day. Do you guys know who Justin Thoreau is? Yeah, ex, right. The yes. actor, ex yes. Jennifer Aniston, ex Jennifer. Yes. Yeah, we'll we'll take a number. But anyway, um, yeah, <laughs> Justin Thoreau was on the um. Oh my gosh, the leftovers. Do you remember that show on HBO where people would like instantly die? Does that no, make sense? No, I never heard that. Okay. It's He's on The Leftovers that. and uh, with Amy Brenneman's on that show too. And uh, But my, I could tell my wife was like, Justin Thoreau, nice looking dude. And I'm like, you're right. And then we read that he fasted 12 hours a day. Wow. He only ate from 7A to 7P. But that's a big oh, thing. Oh, that's still a lot, though. It's a lot. It's a long time. window. But if you do, you should wipe twelve hours out and not eat at all for twelve hours. But Sheba, I figure my twelve hours are kind of like ten to ten. I don't. Yes. I don't touch any food between oh, ten and really? ten. So yeah. your last meal is at, at ten or before ten. I well, I might eating, have a, a say, snack at at like nine thirty or something when I'm going to bed just to settle okay. myself or a glass of chocolate What's milk. What's the snack? Another egg? Brandy? <laughs> is it brandy? Scotch. Uh, I leave the bacon. The eggs I eat in the morning and the bacon I eat at night. Wow. I get a little woozy in the evening if I haven't had my bacon. Uh, sorry, Peter. Um, okay, so in or out on eating breakfast, 416-870-6400. I know when I used to fill in on mornings, back even when I was 25, 26, I, I could not get it right. I couldn't get my body clock right. I couldn't eat properly and whatnot. 